I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by Catherine 518 Chapter 9 Receptions and Preconceptions The Dragutin Jedi pushed the hood back off her head once more fully and greeted the Twi'lek with a nod of acknowledgement. Master Sakura. Despite them being the same race, even at a glance, it was easy to see the differences between Shaktai and Ahsoka Tano. Where Ahsoka's skin was a light orange, with white markings around her face, Shaktai's skin was a deep red. Shaktai's face had large white circles over the areas over her eyes, and most of her forehead. The largest differences, however, lay in two places. First, where Ahsoka's eyes were a deep and vibrant blue, Shaktai's were so dark they were nearly indistinguishable from the black pupils at the center. Lastly, and what was presumably a sign of age, the length of their lecou and Montreal's were distinctly different. Shaktai's Montreal's rose much higher above her head than Ahsoka's, and her lecou fell to below her waist, while Ahsoka's fell only midway down her chest. At the incredulous look of seeing her suddenly at the bottom of the Kashyyyk ecosystem, Shaktai innocently said, You had said you were in need of a healer, and I did say I was coming. Ayla nodded slowly. Yes, but I expected you to contact us once you arrived in system, not venture to the depths of Kashyyyk Forest. I am comfortable with nature, Shaktai explained as she shrugged lethally, and then waved a hand at the growth around her. This forest isn't unpleasant to me. It may be dangerous, but with the force as my ally, it is survivable. Harry had his head tilted to the side, and was regarding her with narrowed eyes. I'm more curious as to how you found this place. Shaktai turned to regard him impassively for several seconds before responding. I arrived and tried to find Master Sakura. I was directed to Selporion, who was several friends, who are Jedi. He told me the general location on the planet. Harry muttered and rolled his eyes. I knew I shouldn't have brought Selporion down here that one time. Definitely a mistake. Shaktai didn't acknowledge that she had heard this muttered comment. I had my R4 unit drop me in the area. Then it was just a matter of communicating with the Force to sense Ayla and Ahsoka's presence. Though Ahsoka's has been harder to sense for some reason. You were able to use the Force to define where they were? Asked Harry, looking thoughtful. After that, it was only a matter of getting close to the ground. Shaktai nodded and gestured towards Ayla and Ahsoka. Of course, now that I am so close, I can feel the force practically sinking in the area. Harriet seemed to ignore the rest of what she said. He was stroking his chin thoughtfully before realization struck. Well, that was rather silly of me. I forget that those two hadn't learned how to hide their general presence, so they are trackable. Dobie! Harry called out. Dobie appeared with a pop, causing the newly arrived Jedi Master to start violently in shock. It was the first sign of surprise since she had arrived. Yes, Master Harry! The excitable little being was once more addressed as a butler from that morning, though the feather duster he had in his hand only had two feathers in it, and they seemed to be barely hanging on. Dobie, I need you to go into the library and find any books on scrying and divination section, and in the warding section. That's a weakness we've forgotten in the wards here. Harry stated. Master Harry need to be hiding? Dobie repeated, looking more than a little startled. Oh, not for me, Dobie. But I forgot I have to be concerned with Ayla and Ahsoka. They still stand out like beacons. Harry replied as he shook his head a little bit. 
They don't know how to hide yet. So while their actions and spells are hidden, their presence really isn't because I didn't bother putting up those wards. Dobie scowled. Master Harry put them on home of Missy Merrick, but not around his own home. Yes, Dobie. Harry rolled his eyes theatrically at the house elf's scolding tone. I'm sorry. I didn't think we'd need them. Master Harry Potter just being lazy. Dobie asserted with crossed arms. Yes, I was being lazy for not putting wards that would hide visitors I never expected to have. You got me, Dobie. Harry replied dryly. Dobie shook his head in disappointment. Dobie remembered wards. Dobie engraved them on stone. Master Harry Potter can power them later, if he's not too tired. If he is, Master can always do it tomorrow. Dobie knows that old people need lots of rest. Halsef would get it all done today, he said smugly before he disappeared with a quick pop, leaving two curious companions and one shocked newly arrived Jedi Master. Cheeky bugger, Harry muttered with a shake of his head, though his tone held more than a little amusement. Did... Did that little being just teleport using the Force? Asked Chok Tai slowly, as she stared at the place Dobie had just left. The first appearance had been unexpected, but she had been staring at him directly when he disappeared, so she knew it wasn't just a matter of oversight. No, it wasn't the Force, said Harry with a grin, and Ayla and Ahsoka both groaned aloud at what answer they knew was coming. It was magic! Ayla couldn't stop the roll of her eyes as she explained for Shock Tai's benefit. Is people call the force magic? Harry's eyebrows quirked in minor irritation, and suddenly a smile grew on his face, one that scared both Ayla and Ahsoka. Harry lifted a finger to point up towards the force canopy, and simply twitched it. All three Jedi felt the small surge of force. There are three distinctive different reactions. Shock Tai's jaw dropped open again. Ahsoka only hesitated a moment before she started to snicker. Ayla was just confused at their reactions, as she looked round until she happened to glance down. Harry Potter! Harry didn't even bother affecting an innocent appearance, an amused smile on his lips. Yes, blue? Why am I pink? Ayla demanded loudly. Her normal blue skin was now as vivid bright pink as it had been blue. Ayla's statement was enough to break the dam for Ahsoka, who broke down in giggles. He had used that ability on her less than an hour after they had initially met, so it wasn't as surprising. But it was so startling to see on Ayla's typically distinctive blue skin. Shaktai had moved past Shock, and her expression had turned to a frown. She delved into the Force, trying to break the illusion and undo the mind trick suggestion in her subconscious that made her think that she was seeing was true. After a few seconds, though, she gave up, as she couldn't find anything affecting her senses, and her face couldn't hide the shock she felt, and neither could her voice. I did not even feel the mind trick applied. It really looks like she is pink. Though her voice also held traces of indignation in it, she was clearly not pleased. Whether that was because she thought Harry had attempted to cast a mind trick on her, or had succeeded in doing so, or was some combination of the two, even she wasn't sure. Harry tilted his head curiously. Mind trick? He asked no one in particular. Ahsoka spoke up. That's a Jedi ability to befuddle and confuse, or in more innocent circumstances, a small-scale illusion. It affects the mind of people, generally making them suggestible. 
They're generally frowned upon and only used in the direst of circumstances, as they can be abused to simply just make everything go a Jedi's way. Oh, that sounds like a weak confundus charm. More effective on non-magicals than it is on magicals. Harry said as he scratched his chin thoughtfully before shrugging. Anyway, that's not what I did. I did a simple color change charm. Her skin really is pink. All her skin, he added with a waggle of his eyebrows. His voice suddenly then turned quite serious when he said, And I think it will remain that way until she either apologizes, learns to dispel it herself, or she learns to say magic without the oh-so-condescending note in her voice. Ay! Ayla gasped and looked down again in horror at a color no twilight, to the best of her knowledge, had ever been. Harry ignored her and turned to Ahsoka with a raised eyebrow and then looked at Shaktai significantly. It took several repetitions before Ahsoka caught on. Harry Potter? This is Jedi Master Shaktai of the Jedi High Council. Master Shaktai, this is Harry Potter. Ahsoka's voice was carefully neutral. She said nothing more and was careful to keep her own feelings regarding the entire trial under wraps. She vividly remembered Shaktai sitting on the council in judgment when she had been expelled in the sham trial. She hadn't spoken a word during the entire event. She had just stared down at Ahsoka impassively. Well, it is nice to meet you, I'm sure, Harry said with a bow of his head, his own tone somewhat bland as he definitely caught the uncharacteristic flatness in Ahsoka's voice. While Blue contacted you out of concern for me, and I really appreciate that, truly, he said as he gestured around and flexed his arm. As you can see, I am quite all right. Shaktai's eyebrows raised, then turned to Ayla, who was still poking at her skin and shooting glare at Harry. Master Saka is not often prone to exaggeration. She described your wounds as quite severe. It got caught in the blast of a thermodetonator. His arm was gone. Ayla interjected, the color of her skin ignored in the face of her judgment being questioned. Harry glanced down prominently at both of his arms before he looked back at her. I got better, he replied with an expression on his face that showed nothing but mischief. Would you mind if I examined you, Mr. Potter? Shaktai inquired carefully, watching the interaction between Ayla and Harry with more than a little interest. I brought some medical equipment thinking I would need it. The bones you experienced were described as quite horrific. Harry was about to decline when a glance at both Ahsoka and Ayla's expression made him pause. Ahsoka in particular had a look that was part determination and part plea. He recognized it from a long time ago as one that meant if he didn't comply, the follow-up argument would be more irritating than just surrendering and giving them what they wanted in the first place. It was further telling that Ahsoka was willing to put aside whatever coldness she felt towards Shaktai and her concern for Harry. Harry wasn't sure what beef she had with the older woman, but he had definitely noticed the change in tone when giving the introduction to the Jedi Master. While he cared not at all for the trouble Shaktai went through to get here, nor her concern for his well-being, and was still relatively ambivalent to Ayla's. Ahsoka was a bit different. Harry found himself generally moved by her concern for him, as pointless as it might have actually been. Besides, it wasn't like he couldn't just obliviate her and pork here to the other side of the planet. He was certain that she wasn't looking for some secret weakness he might have or something equally as ridiculous. All right, if it'll make you feel better, Harry conceded, though it wasn't a concession that was completely graceful, especially as his mouth turned up in an amused smirk. 
but I see one thing that looks like a rectal thermometer, and you are so out of here. Shaktai blinked at Harry's blunt statement, though Ayla looked unsurprised and was still too busy glaring. Ahsoka merely rolled her eyes, though a pleased smile crossed her face at Harry's acquiescence. She may not have been the biggest fan of the Jedi Master, but she did want to make sure there was no side effects for whatever Harry had done to himself. Harry stepped back and waved his hand the way they had come. Be it ever so humble, there is no place like home. You are welcome here, Harry stated as he turned and gestured towards the house. That's the same thing you said last night when we first arrived, Ahsoka observed as her brow furrowed, as she looked at Harry suspiciously. Harry nodded in approval of her awareness. That's right. It's a phrase welcome you to my home, and essentially granting you safe passage into my house through the wards. What's? Ayla asked, now that it had been the second time Harry had mentioned it. He hadn't really explained it the previous time. It's a whole branch of magic. Probably won't really get into that for a while. There's a lot of build-up to get to stuff that complex. Harry chuckled in amusement at the eager and familiar glint that appeared in Ahsoka's face. The same things you had around the ship on Narshada? Ahsoka inquired in a tone that was more statement, looking for affirmation than it was question. Harry winked at her and nodded. Suffice it to say, massive magical protections, both offensive and defensive. They protect this home from people with hostile intent. Does a few other things too, but we'll get to that much later. Harry led them back along the path aside the lake, lit by blue fireballs. Shaktai was looking much the same as the others had when they first arrived, looking left and right for any signs of a way that the fires continued to float in the air without any sort of visible fuel. Harry heard Ayla's reassuring her friend that her senses weren't fooling her. Ahsoka shook her head, ignoring the conversation the two masters were having. She deliberately walked besides Harry, engaging with him rather than allowing the Jedi masters to take the lead, as had been the habit in the past. We've done levitation. What else are we going to do? Besides, now that she had her wand, she was excited to explore some of these applications. Harry chuckled a little bit pleased by the girl's excitement. I think we're going to start you on transfiguration. Changing one thing to another? Ahsoka instantly replied, determined to show she had been paying attention to the theoretical lessons and basics when they had been in discussion on board the Gryffindor. Harry nodded with a pleased air as they walked up the steps to the elongated porch. He led them inside the house into the entryway. Shaktai looked around the large warehouse-like space curiously. Harry turned to Shaktai, who seemed to be able to get over shocks much faster than either of the other two. It's been a while since I've had a checkup, Harry said as he grinned in a manner no patient typically did before an exam. Though like I said, if you're a proctologist, this is going to be the shortest medical exam in the history of ever. Shaktai removed her backpack as she looked at him curiously. How long has it been? She asked almost idly as she crouched on the ground and began moving a handful of small machines. That's actually a good question, Harry mused. I sort of became my own doctor after a certain point, which isn't saying much, as while my knowledge of biology is extensive, my knowledge of healing tends to be focusing on my magic and fix whatever the hell is wrong. Shaktai frowned at that statement, not really understanding all of it, but a look from Ayla told her she definitely shouldn't ask for clarification if she ever really wanted to get to the examination. Do you have a table I could use? Sure he said before stopping himself from simply conjuring one. He did not know this new person, and was not going to just show off magic skills with someone there to investigate, especially from the Jedi's council. 
and his other two guests both seemed rather not pleased with the idea of memory charms. He turned and walked over to a wall, and with a grunt of effort, pulled a large oak dining table out from the place where it had been unsummariously stored. The table had been finely carved from wood. The table was the one he usually ate on when he stopped to do so. Typically, he just ate wherever he happened to be. Out of habit, he added a sticking charm to the table as he set it down so that it wouldn't be as easy to move. Shaktai raised an eyebrow at the clearly ancient table, wondering how Harry had managed to get such a thing down to the ground level of Kashyyyk before she set her bag on it and removed several devices, setting them on the table as she did. You said you hurt her arm, Shaktai inquired. He did not hurt his arm. It was gone, completely vaporized. And this does not even take into account the blaster bolt you took on Nashida. Ayla interjected huffily, a memory of him with the injury floating in her mind. Harry shrugged his shoulders. It wasn't the most painful thing I've ever had cut off, and the blaster bolt was just an inconvenience because I was sloppy. Shaktai raised an eyebrow at Harry, but when he didn't look like he was going to volunteer any more information, she pressed on. Can you please remove your shirt? Ayla actually smacked her forehead when she heard those words, while Ahsoka merely broke out into uncontrolled giggles, knowing a perfect setup for a comment from the wizard when they had heard one. Harry grinned and winked at Ayla. See? I appreciate an attractive Jedi that knows how to get down to business. Unlike Blue here, who's just a tease. Ayla actually growled at the words, causing more shock to shock Ty than the initial statement from Harry. You should take lessons! He added cheekily. He did, however, pull his shirt up and off his shoulders before tossing it aside. Shaktai was distracted looking back and forth between the two during their byplay of taunting and responding growls. Ahsoka and Ayla's eyes were drawn to Harry's form. Though they had both seen him without a shirt, this was the first time that he had really just been sitting there without one. He was muscled and lethe, and there were more than a few faded scars across his torso. The one clearly stood out above the rest, a faded jagged line on the right side of his chest, almost identical in shape, if not larger, than the one on his head. The arm in question was quite clearly there, and didn't show any sort of sign of being damaged at all, nor was there any scarring on the half of his body which had faced the detonator blast head-on, consistent with wounds Ayla had witnessed. "'Do you need me to remove my pants, too?' Harry asked, his tone innocent, but his eyes were clearly twinkling madly as he allowed Shock Tai to poke and prod at his shoulder and arm. I mean, I certainly can if needed. Blue here stands around half-naked most of the time, after all. I do not stand around half-naked, Ayla shot back. You kinda do, Ahsoka inserted with a lightly taunting tone. Hey, no need to get defensive. I certainly wasn't complaining. Harry grinned playfully before Ayla could turn on Ahsoka. Of course, if I was complaining, then it'd be about the half part. Shaktai was pressing her fingers into the skin along Harry's arm, listening to the two of them with as much interest as she was performing her examination of the human in front of her. Fingers prodded the firm muscle. However, she wasn't just looking at Harry physically. What was equally distracting was that she couldn't sense anything from Harry at all. Even touching him didn't seem to register his presence within the Force. I cannot see any evidence of anything mechanical. Shaktai leaned back and shook her head, shrugging her shoulders at Ayla helplessly. 
There is more confusion and uncertainty in her tone than she was used to. His arm was gone, along with part of his side and face. I saw it. I felt it. Ayla defended, glaring at Harry, as if the fact that his body was whole now offended her. This is a genuine arm? Shaktai inquired of Harry, quite obviously trusting the word of her fellow Jedi Master. How did you replace it? I've never seen cloned organs Well, the match was so exact after retachment. Her voice was uncertain, though, because looking at the arm showed at least two light scars and marks that were faded and clearly years old. Those scars wouldn't be there if the arm had been created from cloned tissue of some sort and then reattached after the fact. It would be bare of any marks or scarring, save for any that were genetic, like moles or birthmarks. My people have potions capable of some interesting things. Harry shrugged lethally. With the help of my wife Daphne, we developed a potion to regenerate lost limbs. Technically, the statement was true. It just wasn't the answer to her question. Harry, however, was not going to go into detailed explanations of his own physiology much less his own capabilities with someone he had just met, especially since Ahsoka didn't seem to feel all that well disposed towards her. Shaktai stared at him, her neutral expression falling away as she stared, too focused on Harry's words to sense the misleading part of his statement. You can administer something to regenerate lost limbs? The smile that crossed Harry's face was a mix between mysterious and mischievous. Among many, many other things... I would be very interested in seeing this. That is one thing that even a Bactabath isn't capable of. Does it only work for humans? Perhaps it could be adapted to work for other species. Shaktai spoke, rare excitement entering her voice before her eyes narrowed in suspicion. If what you say is true, you could be a very, very rich person. Meh, the shirtless Harry replied with complete apathy. I have plenty of money. After nearly a full minute of regarding Harry's smirk, Shaktai realized that Harry had no intention of explaining. So she turned to Ayla and said, He seems to be perfectly healthy to me. Her tone conveyed her reservations about the man, though. It was quite obviously a mass of walking contradictions that she needed more information on if she would ever have hope of understanding. She assumed that Ayla would have more insight. Harry's grin grew wider, while Ayla's expression grew even more pinched and irritated. It certainly didn't help things when he winked at her again. If you narrow your eyes any further, you might as well close them. Ayla opened her mouth to reply, but before she could snap at Harry, Shaktai interjected to Harry curiously. Would you allow me to draw a blood sample? She was already holding the device that would allow him to check his blood. But she stilled when she saw Harry's face had turned hard and his entire body had tensed. There was no mistaking the sudden caution in his mannerisms. Harry stared at her for at least ten seconds before he finally said, in one of the rare times that Ahsoka and Ayla had heard him use an utterly serious voice. The only other time they had heard it was when Harry first realized that the Wookiees were being attacked. You may draw my blood. I will require that it doesn't leave my presence, and I will watch you destroy it after you finish whatever test you intend to run. There is one thing that is precious to everyone who can access magic, and that is their blood. Harry was aware of the tension on him, so he spoke quietly and firmly to all of them, not a trace of joking on his face or in his tone. Freely given, blood can be used to heal, curse, destroy, and do any number of absolutely horrid things to someone. 
The same can be said of forcibly taken blood if one is unprepared. He turned to Ayla and Ahsoka. It's one of those things you must always be conscious of. Do not give your blood or allow it to be deliberately and consciously taken. All three women looked like they wanted to ask exactly what could be done, but Harry shook his head slightly, not willing to get into it. He turned to Shaktai and held out his arm, his countenance continuing to convey the seriousness of the circumstances at hand. Shaktai hesitated under Harry's gaze, and despite her desire to know, felt compelled to be honest with the man after he expressed such seriousness. "'Taking your blood is not strictly necessary.' I admit to some curiosity about your midichlorian count. Harry's head tilted, and a puzzled expression crossed his face. My what-a-what-a-what now? Your midichlorian count. Shaktai repeated as she exchanged a look with the other two Jedi. As Harry's face still reflected confusion, her tone switched to explanatory. It is part of what gives life. Life is found in the blood of all living beings. It generally determines how much potential someone has to wield and feel the force. Quite simply, the higher the count, the more potential. Huh. You think you've found a way to scientifically determine if someone is magical or not. That's interesting. Harry's voice was musing as he considered that. He hadn't really bothered looking into anything medical as it related to the Jedi. All efforts he had ever been aware of had ultimately been unsuccessful. I am curious because I feel the force around here, but unlike Master Sakura and Ahsoka Tano, I cannot feel you within the force at all. It is a puzzle. She left unsaid that hiding oneself was a skill most prominently used by disciples of the dark side of the force. Harry had a wicked grin on his face. Well, if you want to feel me, all you had to do was ask. Shuck Tai's mouth twitched ever so slightly but otherwise show no change in her demeanor as she regarded him. He took in her expression, and his tone turned more serious once more. And how do you count my midday what's-its? It only requires a small prick, Harry. She smiled beautifully as she held up the small medical device. Something I wonder if you're intimately familiar with? The different reactions to this were priceless. Both Ahsoka and Ayla's mouth dropped open. But Harry seemed elated beyond compare. It seems like the Jedi Order hasn't managed to kill your sense of humor completely. Oh, I think I might actually eventually like you. Maybe. Sorry, I can't say the same. Shaktai responded with a bit of a smug smile. It takes more than a small prick and boasts of grandeur to excite me. Exciting a woman when I've set my mind to it has never been a problem for me. Harry chuckled and held out his arm once more far more eager to satisfy this request, suddenly, than any other previous request any of the three women had previously made. I freely give my blood for this one circumstance. Shaktai blinked as she felt a small surge in the force. When nothing else happened, she took a small device and pressed it against his hand for a moment. Harry felt a sharp pinch, and then nothing as she pulled back the device. She held it up and then turned to one of the machines on the table, sliding the small device in. It beeped after a moment, and she peered at the small screen with a frown. That is odd. Shaktai pressed a few buttons on the machine. What does it say? Ayla asked curiously. She had, after all, tried to see the same thing when she had taken the blood off of her skin. A fleeting thought occurred to her that her results had been gotten without his permission. 
Shaktai tilted her head as she read the results. I do not know. The reading it has just keeps changing. It cannot seem to figure out what to read. But it keeps bouncing all over the place, including right off the charts in both directions. Try adjusting the charts? Harry ventured. Shaktai shook her head. Not an actual chart, just a number, but the number is constantly changing. Maybe it's broken, Harry offered helpfully. Try smacking it on something. That sometimes works for me. He turned to Ahsoka. Alas, the two morons we met back at Coruscant aren't here. Their heads would have certainly been hard enough. Shaktai hesitated before nodding, more to the first comment. Harry's second, helpful recommendation was dupefully ignored. She pulled the small device from the bigger machine and pressed it quickly to her own hand. There was a small hiss from the machine before she efficiently pushed it back in the bigger device. Shaktai quickly shook her head. It is not the device. My reading is always between 17 and 18,000, which is where it's reading right now. Doesn't Master Yoda's read around 20,000? Asked Ahsoka, her voice still cool to the Jedi Master but also asking to give Harry some clue as to the numbers they were talking about without him remaining clueless, though she wasn't certain whether he really cared. Yes, Master Shaktai confirmed. The only reading ever recorded as higher was Anakin Skywalker, which was estimated to have been around twenty-two to 23,000. So what does this mean for Harry's reading? Asked Ayla as she glanced at him, still sitting there shirtless on the table. Harry's reading should be accurate, but his ratings just continue to change up and down, not in any discernible pattern. Shaktai explained as she continued to examine the readouts. Harry sighed disappointedly, probably because my blood is unique. He chose carefully after he considered and discarded several synonyms. At Shaktai's inquiring and curious gaze, Harry grimaced and gestured at the medical device. Can that scan for other stuff? It is a fairly standard medical diagnostic tool, Shaktai replied, her head tilted ever so slightly to the side in the wordless inquiry. Can it do a scan for exotic substances that aren't blood? Harry asked mildly. Say a test for poison, just to pick one. It is a medical scanner. It can do a scan for toxins and pathogens. Shaktai trailed off as her fingers moved across the screen of the medical device quickly. By the force! cannot be right. What is it? Ayla asked, looking over Shaktai's shoulder, trying to see what had shaken her friend's composure. Harry rolled his eyes slightly, and looked resigned to the look of confusion now directed his way from Ayla. Shaktai's fingers had long since stopped moving over the device as she looked up at him, glancing repeatedly between Harry and the readout. Her voice was level as she spoke, but she still managed to portray more than a little surprise. According to this, you should be dead. Very dead. Lady, if I had a galleon for every time I heard that. Harry shook his head ruefully, well aware that the woman had no idea what a galleon was. What is it? Ahsoka demanded for the first time speaking directly to Shock Tai. While I cannot seem to get a reading on the midichlorians, it is registering the toxicity levels in his blood sample as literally off the charts. The scanner is saying there are dozens of different identified toxins present, maybe more, and even more unidentified substances. Shaktai replied, her eyes narrowing suspicion. As in the toxins in that small blood sample alone, 
could kill, I do not know, thousands. Ayla and Ahsoka's expressions were more of surprise than of suspicion. I've been bitten by some pretty nasty magical things in the past, Harry frowned. Nor does it take into account the amount of times there were attempts to poison me. Bitten by magical things? Shaktai asked dryly. Attempts to poison you? Ayla said at nearly the same moment in surprise. Yeah, I had to fight magical creatures on more than one occasion and got myself bit, or breathed on, or sprayed, stung, slobbered on. Harry shrugged. I'd nabbed my first at age twelve, a ruddy giant snake with pretty much sheared blind luck, and then it happened with some regularity after. Snakes are regularly venomous, Shaktai observed. Many exist on this world, in fact. Harry rolled his eyes, and a trace of scorn entered his voice. Yes, thank you for that tutorial on snakes. Tell me, how many of those snake species have the ability to petrify or kill by sight alone? Well, several of them hunt prey that will freeze. Usually because their prey believes an attempt to remain, still will mean that the predator will not see them. Shaktai replied, No, I mean petrify, in the literal sense, as in turning someone to stone. Harry replied dryly, None that I'm aware of. That is the sort of things you hear in myths and legends, Shaktai replied. I am aware of no verified animal of that nature. Lack of proof is not proof of lack, Harry retorted dryly. I killed one, and it was about sixty meters or so long. That, that would make an incredibly powerful apex predator, and possibly one of the most dangerous animals in the galaxy. Shaktai breathed out. Wasn't even the most dangerous animal that I faced. Don't get me started on the clutch of protecting dragons or nundus. Harry grumbled as he shook his head in disgust. Shaktai looked flammoxed and glanced to Ayla and Ahsoka for assistance. Ayla spoke up almost immediately. What about the attempts at poisoning you mentioned? Gretchen was a bad house elf, Toby stated as he popped into existence with his arms folded and a scowl on his face. The action causing shock Tai to jerk in surprise once more, but the other two seemed to be used to it by this point. Harry blinked, and then a look of realization crossed his face. He actually chuckled. Doby, I meant really genuine attempts on my life. I'd actually forgotten all about that. There was another house elf that served one of the families from which I inherited head half house. Harry started to explain, seeing the looks on the faces of the others and figuring he might as well answer their inevitable questions. He apparently had a bit of a contest with one of his former masters, in which he would randomly attempt to poison the head of house, while they would have to realize their food was poisoned before eating it, or ingesting a buzzor to counteract the effects of the poison. The head of house before me apparently ordered the house elf not to do it to him after the first time he tried. Harry shook his head wryly. Kretcher took that order literally and stopped doing it to him, but then started it when I inherited. Bad Kretcher! Doby reiterated and huffed with a little stomp of his foot, with his chin raised imperiously. Truthfully, he was doing it to my food for years before I realized it was happening. I didn't even notice. He was quite creative with the variety of poisons he used. Harry shrugged a bit and looked back at Shaktai. I'm sure some of that gunk is still in my blood, which is probably why you can't get the other reading off of me. Your little magic measure thing probably doesn't know which one to focus on at any given time. I do not know how you can still be living with blood like this, Shaktai confessed. Ah, yeah, 
My blood also has a remarkably powerful healing curative mixture into it. Not sure if you can isolate that from the rest of the gunk. The Tears of the Phoenix, which is another magical species, initially in there to counteract the basilisk's venom. Harry added, Usually he wasn't so forthcoming, but he was enjoying the constant looks of befuddlement. You mean a Corrosian phoenix? Asked Ayla. No, though they're beautiful birds, they're not really magical. I went looking for them when I first heard about them. They're nothing like real phoenixes. Harry shook his head and then blinked as a thought occurred to him. Can that test the blood of anything? At Choctaw's curious nod, Harry looked thoughtful for a moment. Let's see if we can check something, then. Harry's curiosity had been piqued. He may never have studied medical spells, but he certainly studied blood and bodies enough over his years as a potioneer. He had never found anything he thought might be a link to magic to use. So he was curious, and he turned to look at the house elf who stood beside him with his arms crossed. Doby? Yes, Master Harry? The house elf looked up at him curiously. Harry kneeled down a little bit to better look Doby in the eye. Doby? This lady here would like to take a sample of your blood to test. Would you let her? What does third lady with longest tentacles want with Doby's blood? Doby looked up at the woman suspiciously. Harry restrained a chuckle at Doby's newest naming convention. This is Master Shock Tai, and he wanted to check to see if they could figure out our magic and how it works. Magic is magic. Even Doby know this. He sounded like he was explaining something to a dense five-year-old. Shock Tai, who was definitely curious about the little being, mimics Harry's pose by crouching down slightly in front of the house elf. A glance from Harry told her that she had made the right move. Doby, I am just curious. I promise you it won't hurt. Doby hesitated and looked at Harry, who kept his face carefully neutral. Doby looked indecisive before he held out his hand. Shaktai gently took it and pressed the device to it quickly before pulling back. Thank you, Doby. Doby nodded and popped out. Shaktai shook her head slightly and put the small device into the reader once more. After a few moments, her eyebrows rose dramatically. That, that is not possible. Her calm facade was completely lost for a moment. What is it? Ayla was quickly peering over her friend's shoulder once more. This says, Doby has no midichlorians, Shaktai said quietly. How low are we talking about? Ayla asked, curiosity reflected in her tone. I'm not talking low, I'm talking about none, Shaktai replied absently, as she continued to try and move and calibrate the machine. It cannot get any reading on any sort of sample. Harry's shoulder lifted in an unconcerned motion. It's really not that surprising. He realized that they weren't going to be offering any unique insights. He was a trifle disappointed, but his statement was accurate. He really wasn't shocked. Harry, that reading is impossible. There is no life without them. Certainly no possibility of someone manipulating the force. Ayla explained, hoping that Harry would understand a bit better. And how many of those life forms are purely magical? The origins of his race may be lost at time, but the idea generally held was that they were created out of pure magic. Isn't really all that far-fetched. He turned to Ahsoka. I told you before, Doby needed to be bonded to someone to survive. His very existence requires active magic taken from somebody else. 
So as a biological entity, he's fairly unique. Jacques Tai looked up sharply from the medical tool at that statement. What do you mean he needs to be bonded to someone to survive? His race is symbiotic. They need to serve a witch or wizard to survive. Dobie feeds off of my magic. In return, I am his master, Harry explained succinctly. You bound a creature into servitude using the force? Shaktai gasped. Harry's eyes immediately turned cold and his expression went flat. Dobie is my friend. I freed Dobie from his abusive masters. After he risked his life to warn me of danger, I had no idea that Dobie had bonded himself to me until years later. I've offered to free him countless times. It took a couple of dozen offers before I got him to stop sobbing and begging me not to give him clothes. Give him clothes? Ahsoka, who had been uncharacteristically silent during the exchange, asked as she considered all the different outfits he had seen the little creature wear. Yeah, it's how I free him. Deliberately handing him clothes or something with clothes in it. Whatever wizard or group that originally created his race had a twisted sense of humor, and so made it that a master has to give them clothes to sever the bond. Harry's voice warmed a bit as he answered Ahsoka's question, glad she hadn't jumped to conclusions. As it is, he has standing orders that if he ever wants me to release him, he only has to ask. But if it means he is going to die, that is hardly an order he will ever follow, said Shaktai scathingly. Actually, since I gave it to him in the form of an order, it's something he has to obey. Harry shot back sharply. He is physically incapable of disobeying a direct order. Shaktai's face went carefully neutral and guarded. So it is, slavery, and he truly has no freedom. Harry put two fingers to his eyes and slowly rubbed them with a deep sigh. Doby! Doby reappeared with a pop. Yes, Master Harry? Doby, Jedi Master Shaktai thinks you are a slave, Harry said with a wave of his hand. Doby narrowed his eyes and stared up at the woman, who looked down at him with sympathy in her stance. Does Miss T think Doby is a slave? After a careful glance at Harry, who waved his hand at her, encouraging to go ahead, Shaktai knelt down next to the odd creature once more to look carefully at him, her tone compassionate. Doby, the definition of slavery is one where you do not have a choice. You must follow orders, and if you leave... You are killed. Doby looked at the woman for a long moment, before shaking his head disappointedly, turning back to Harry. Master Harry found another one. To be fair, I didn't find her. She found us, Harry replied somewhat defensively, though there was also amusement in his tone. Serves Master Harry right for being lazy. Doby stated before he turned back to stare defiantly at Shaktai. Toby is Master Harry Potter's house-elf. And friend, Harry supplemented helpfully. Shaktai looked at Harry with something akin to a glare before looking down at Doby once more. Friends do not call one another master. Doby tilted his head and replied curiously. Miss Ty calls Miss Blue Master. You are not friends. Shaktai hesitated, and then rather than get into intricacies of titles and respect especially to a being whose interactions seemed simple, though she knew better than to judge based simply on someone's linguistic characteristics. Friends do not control one another, Dobby. Free means being able to make your own choices, without any sort of threat hanging over you. 
You should be free. Doris shook his head and a sad expression crossed his face. She is just like Master Harry's Miss Grangey. Harry allowed a wistful smile to cross his face before it turned wry. To be fair, she grew out of it as she grew up. Eventually. Kinda. He finished somewhat sheepishly. Maybe Miss T will grow out of it when she grows up, too. Toby commented helpfully. More like Master Harry used to say about Miss Grangey. She will learn better after she removes large stick embedded in her posterior. He nodded before disappearing with another pop. Shock Tai looked more than a little affronted at the creature's comment before her focus once more was taken up by his disappearance. It was something she had never encountered before, and even seeing it multiple times hadn't dulled all of the shock. Did you get all the information you needed from our blood? Harry asked, his tone cordial, but firm as his eyes locked on to her machine deliberately. Shock Tai had been about to ask about the teleportation when Harry changed topics causing her to hesitate and then realize what the look was for and removed the smaller sampling device from the larger machine scanner and then pressed a button to start self-sterilization cycle, returning it to shiny and chrome. Thank you. Harry nodded a little bit, looking relaxed now that he had witnessed the disposal. He tilted his head curiously. Was there anything else you needed? Shaktai shook her head and looked around the room once more, seemingly unprepared for having nothing to do. Harry, do you mind if I talk to Shaktai privately for a bit? Ayla spoke up quickly. Harry hesitated a moment before he shrugged. Sure, knock yourself out. Let me know when you're ready to go, and I'll take you out beyond the ward so you can head back. He paused and actually looked sheepish for a moment. Or, if you prefer, I could take you directly to any of the spaceports here on planet. You did venture down here to check on me, after all. Harry grabbed his shirt and glanced over to Soka. Come on. If I'm going to teach you, I probably should take some time for some actual instruction. Soka glanced at the Jedi Masters who were staring at her. Shaktai's expression was more surprised than Ayla's, but both seemed to be rather jarred by Harry's remark. Ahsoka allowed herself a small smirk, unable to pass up the golden opportunity. As you wish, Master. Her eyes traced his torso as he tugged on his shirt, unable to stop a small blush as it climbed up her cheeks before she followed him out the door, its swinging closed behind her, seemingly of its own violation. When they were outside, Harry turned to face her with his arms crossed and an amused smile on his face. So, what's your issue with our guest? Ahsoka stiffened before shaking her head. There, there's no issue. Right, which is why the ambient temperature dropped about 20 degrees whenever she spoke to you, or you to her. Harry replied sarcastically. Amusement still on his features. It's nothing, Ahsoka replied somewhat defensively. Do you want me to kick her out? Harry's expression lost its amusement. When she turned a surprised look on him, he shrugged his shoulders. If I'm really taking you in as a student, then your words carry weight. Besides, I've known you longer, and I definitely like you a whole hell of a lot more. And while you've certainly made events more exciting in the past week or so, I'm not going to keep people around who you think are a concern, or I have to worry might be a danger to you. No, 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 it's nothing like that. Ahsoka shook her head, noting that Harry had omitted danger to himself. She chose her words carefully. Just, there are some people who you look up to, and that end up disappointing you, and that disappointment can linger. Ah, one of those. 
Harry said, nodding in a way that made Ahsoka believe that he had understood everything she had left unsaid. She shook her head, then held up her wand, her expression brightening. So, are you going to teach me some magic? The two Jedi Masters watched Ahsoka follow Harry out the door, while it shut behind them. Apprentice and Master, Shaktai said quietly. Her voice filled with concern as she turned her head to look at Ayla with an inquiring gaze. Ayla looked uncomfortable and smiled weakly. To be fair, Air refers to her as a student. The master thing is all Ahsoka's doing. It seems to be more to irritate him than it is anything else. Ayla does not seem to like to stand on ceremony. Shaktai shook her head a little bit and gestured towards the door while her gaze fell on Ayla. Even I can see the attachment formed. That is not the relationship between a Jedi and a Padawan. It is one between a master and an apprentice. He saved your life multiple times, as well as mine at least once. Ayla defended half-heartedly as she slumped a little bit and leaned against the table for support. She was well aware that her thoughts mirrored shocked eyes. While the terms weren't all that different, the emphasis placed on them implied the relationship of a Sith master and pupil. He has asked for nothing while he does this. In fact, it is just the opposite. But Eclair has protected her, and more than under trust, Ayla said with a sigh. She is remarkably trusting of him, Shaktai observed, her tone becoming more neutral. I know, but to be perfectly honest, that is just one of the things that worries me. Ayla rubbed the bridge of her nose. Shaktai raised her eyebrow curiously as she looked at her fellow Jedi Master. Oh? She trusts Eric implicitly after what he has done for her, Ayla said as she gestured around herself. He is someone who uses the Force in ways I have never imagined possible. Ayla frowned, realizing from a tug in the Force that she was skirting the edges of her oath. And to top it off, even though I trust you, I cannot actually tell you anything about the specifics because of the oath I swore to him. I would not ask you to violate your word of honor, Shaktai replied. Ayla was about to open her mouth, then grimaced and stopped herself. She wasn't sure if the oath covered discussions related to the nature of the oath itself. She decided to let it pass for now. Ayla wasn't sure what Shaktai's purpose here was now, but she thought perhaps Shaktai, known for being logical, might understand the wisdom of the secrecy oath they had given. If she took one, then Ayla hoped she could discuss it all she wanted with her if Harry released her from that portion of the vow like he had for Ahsoka. Suffice it to say, they are wide and varied. Shaktai raised an eyebrow, and then very deliberately looked Ayla up and down, and there was no mistaking the small smile on her face. I have gotten that impression, though I am curious as to your overall impression of the man. Ayla flushed, having forgotten that her skin was still pink. Yes, and these abilities are wielded by a man who I'm not convinced is entirely mentally balanced. That is a very loaded response, Ayla. What do you mean? said Shaktai quietly. Ayrelli seems to react in a way I expect, even without knowledge of his culture, Ayla said after a moment's consideration. Oh, he is extremely competent in a fight. But from the evidence we have seen, he quite clearly has attachments. I know for a fact he has had wives and children, but I have not gotten him to talk about his history all that much. 
Shaktai's eyebrows rose, but she remained silent as Ayla continued to explain. The reason they were on Arshada is because he seemed to be searching for people. Ahsoka said she thought he might be searching for others like him, or from his planet. That, and he uses the force completely different from us, is about all I know of his history. Ayla shook her head in frustration. Oh, his mother sacrificed herself to save him as a child from a dark lord. Ayla added belatedly, feeling more than a little guilty not bring that bit up sooner. But the rest? He just does not react like he should. Most of the time, it is like he views almost everything like a game. But occasionally he gets serious and direct, allowing his emotions to influence him while keeping them under control. Ayla looked frustrated as she tried to explain what she meant. He deals with the slavers and clearly feels anger, but simply turns them over to the Wookiees to deal with. He feels compassion and spends time counseling freed slaves. Allows me to come with him after believing I was a spy or an assassin, and then loses an arm saving my life. And his parting comment before he disappears and miraculously regrows the arm and half his skin is a lewd reference to my breasts, Ayla said as she shook her head, her tone filled with exasperation. Shaktai had been quiet the entire time, Ayla half explained and half ranted about Harry. She honestly could see how an individual like Harry would bother someone like Ayla. Ayla had not had an easy time in the temple, and had been vilified on more than one occasion for her tendency to follow her emotions and get too involved in the missions she was assigned to. She had fought long and hard to earn the reputation she had, and here was a clearly powerful force user who seemed to embody every emotion and desire that Ayla herself had been denied. Shaktai was observing that firsthand. On one hand, he seemed easygoing and friendly, but on the other, there was an edge to him. Shaktai was honestly torn on her impression between suspicion and interest. She decided to push her friend a little bit for her insight. She put her hands on Ayla's shoulders, focusing the other's attention on her while she looked her square in the eye. Ayla, take a deep breath and simply describe him. Ayla opened her mouth, but Shaktai cut her off quickly. Not his abilities. Not his history. Him. Ayla took a few moments to gather herself and then began to speak. Is a walking contradiction. At times he seems disturbed and unbalanced. But he is not psychotic, he is caring. But sometimes he zones out so much that he'll drift off in the middle of the conversation and he has to be snapped back into focus. He can be an asshole and drives me crazy, Ayla said, a bit of frustration showing through. Also, from what I have heard of what he did on Coruscant, as well as seen on Narshida, he is dangerous as hell. And given how he said me, he also has a massive protective streak. Shaktai looked like she definitely wanted more information on that, but Ayla preempted her by shaking her head. I cannot actually say anything of what I saw due to my oath. Shaktai's eyes narrowed. That is the second time you have said you cannot. Ayla hesitated and spoke slowly. I gave Ari an oath, one through the force itself, that I could not divulge any of the magic I saw him perform. The other Jedi regarded her friend carefully. She knew there was something that Ayla wasn't saying. 
but the fact that Harry used the force to compel agreement to an oath beyond a being's integrity was another worrying sign for her. Ayla's expression darkened as she scowled a bit. He is a sarcastic ass, who would flirt with a hole in the wall if he thought he could rile it up, or get any kind of response. You saw how he was thrilled when you cut his legs out from under him, when you said he had a small... She trailed off, unable to bring herself to say it, her memory of her vision striking clearly. Prick, asked Chuck Ty, a trace of amusement on her face at Ayla's discomfort. But Ayla just returned a dirty look and continued on. Right. He did not get angry when you inserted him. He was amused. Ayla then gestured around the warehouse. And then there is Dobby, who somehow lives despite having no midichlorian count, and who, despite his protest to the contrary, seems to be by definition a slave to Mr. Potter. I'll bite a windling one. But also one who manages to disappear and reappear from my senses using the force. Shaktai commented, summing up what she had gotten from the being in the small amount of time she had seen him. That is ignoring the fact he apparently requires a bond to air in order to survive, Ayla commented, not touching on Dobie's abilities. If what Harry has told us is true, then logic dictates that he derives his ability to direct the force from Harry. Follow those thoughts to their logical conclusion, Shaktai murmured, though she didn't bother voicing the idea that Dobie was absorbing the force from Harry. She just had no way to gauge the powers Dobie had displayed, though, aside from the floating balls of fire, she hadn't seen any sign of Harry using the force. Oh, let us not forget, Ayla interjected. Apparently, if Harry is to be believed, and I have little reason to doubt, the only thing that prevents the little being from potentially going on a rampage of pure chaos is a strict adherence to the orders that Harry gives him. Of course, Harry also has no qualms about rescinding all orders like he did during the slave raid, which resulted in entire ships with the Tradorsian slavers being spaced and attached to the outer hull of their ship in some sort of macabre warning that the Wookiees are in love with, Ayla summarized, though there was no comment on how this was achieved. She fell quiet, looking down at the ground and not meeting her friend's gaze. Shaktai observed her friend's behavior and said nothing, deciding not to pry, instead allowing Ayla time to compose her thoughts. She busied herself with loosening of her heavy robes, which were still quite warm from the journey between the upper canopy and the forest floor. They now hung loose and open at the front, showing that underneath was thick straps of fabric that ran vertically, preserving her modesty, but allowing utter freedom of movement as she ditched her robes, while it also hinted at expanses of red skin. Her patience was rewarded a few minutes later, as Ayla finally broke the silence. And then, and then there are the visions I keep seeing when I meditate around him. Ayla's voice came softly. Shaktai nodded a little bit. You described your visions to the council. Ayla nodded in affirmation. Yes, that was the first vision I had when I first sought guidance from the force around Eri while on Narshida. I was stressed, tired, and had nowhere else to turn when I meditated at that point. So I wonder if the force made the vision more about motivating me with images that would inspire me to follow him at the time. She paused before she continued, her voice very quiet. But I held some things back from the vision. Things which the council would have frowned upon had they known. 
She knew she was confessing to another member of the Jedi High Council, but Shaktai had long been a confidant of Ayla. Shaktai wasn't much older than her, but always seemed to be far more self-possessed than she was. Ayla knew that Shaktai would give her honest feedback, even if she was doing something wrong, but she wouldn't snap to judgment the way some of the other Jedi Masters would. What do you see about him? asked Shaktai with some concern in her voice. It was not about him, at least not about him alone, said Ayla, and just how lost she was at the moment was never more apparent with sudden downturn in her mood. There were personal elements in the first vision at the end. They kept flashing in my visions whenever I meditate, but brief glimpses, just an image or a second or two. Ayla, you should know from your first lessons at the temple that the future is always in motion. What you have seen may or may not come to pass. They are hence possibilities, none of which may come true, Shaktai said calmly and reasonably, when Ayla remained silent in response. Shaktai couldn't help but prod her for more answers. Can you describe what you saw? You know that I will not judge you based upon a possible future that the Force has gifted you with. Ayla hesitated, looking up at Shaktai for a long moment before she nodded and looked down once more and spoke, quiet enough that Shaktai's enhanced hearing was required to pick up all the words. In my visions, I keep seeing Ari and I. Her voice dropped to a whisper, in very intimate positions. Shaktai merely raised a delicate brow in response. Ayla shrugged self-consciously and stared at the ground. She definitely did not want to get into specifics. If it was once, I could dismiss them. But I meditated again last night and saw the same images. They keep happening, and something about them feels different. Content? Relieved? I do not know how to describe it. But you see no context. Nothing more than an image or two? Shaktai asked, her voice calm and without judgment. Ayla nodded before stopping herself and then shaking her head. Well, yes and no. At first, it was just a single image or brief glimpse of a small interaction, almost teasing in the force, as my initial glimpse of the future came to me. Now, though, it almost dominates my foresight, more and more, in equal amounts with the visions of the war. It is not the same embrace every time. I can tell they are different occasions, and not just a solitary incident. But the mood is the same. I feel safe, as well as, well, lust for him. Il's voice dropped even further at that last part, preparing for the inevitable reaction. I will reiterate what I said. The future is always in motion. Just because you see things does not mean they will come to pass. And I will also add this caveat. You do not know what the circumstances behind what you saw were. Ayla nodded. It was nothing more than she had been telling herself for days now. It was hardly reassuring. She looked up suddenly. You will not share this with the council? Shaktai shook her head firmly. I will share nothing of what you have told me with the council, even if it were to come to pass. Shaktai placed a hand on her shoulder. You have done nothing, Ayla. The Force has shown you a possible path, and one that you have not taken. You have committed no wrong, despite what some may say. 
and Ayla snorted at the indirect reference to the hardliners within the High Council, it is not against the Code to see a possible future in the Force. You are not responsible for possibilities of things that might occur, and certainly not without any sort of context. Ayla looked relieved, and then seemed to steel herself. There is one other thing, the biggest thing. Shaktai tilted her head curiously, wondering what else she might be holding back. Ayla turned to look at the door where Harry and Ahsoka had headed out a few minutes earlier. My visions? They tell me the future is still at the crossroads. I am upholding my part, or at least what I understand of it. But it still hinges on Harry. Ayla's voice dropped low and soft. You will have to choose between two paths, and those two paths will make the determination between having a chance for the order to survive or for it to be utterly destroyed. No matter which choice he makes, he is going to be hurt. One choice he will view as a betrayal on his part. The other may cause him to lose himself. Ayla let the words hang in the air. Unfortunately, I have no idea what the choices are, or how I can help him. Ayla said as she slumped down, He must betray or lose himself. And with one of those choices, the Jedi Order is lost? Mused Jaktai aloud. Ayla shrugged helplessly. I do not know. I am not even sure I can tell you why I know that. It is just what I got when I meditated last night, getting not just images feelings. Shaktai observed Ayla for several long moments before she nodded slowly. We must always be careful when viewing the future. Understanding what it portends is always harder. Some of the older and more sensitive members of the Order have contented it is not the dark side of the Force that has blocked our visions, but the Force itself. She shook her head, waving off Ayla's surprised look. Nothing to be concerned about. Something I have just heard more than once. Shaktai glanced up at the door. I myself wish to meditate soon while in close proximity to him. I wish to see if my sight clears as much as yours and Ahsoka's. I would also like to speak to Harry some more, if you don't mind. To get more of a feel for him. He has oddly mind to give permission to to speak. Ayla glanced down and suddenly narrowed her eyes. With an involuntary growl escaping her throat... I also need him to change me back from pink. With a goal in mind, she turned and headed outside with a determined stride, while Shaktai followed her formerly blue friend at a far more sedate pace. She sat cross-legged in an empty and very small storage compartment. She took a slow, indrawn breath, the first she had taken in over an hour. She was deep in a meditative state, and while her eyes were closed, it made her no less aware of her surroundings. They didn't bother with life support to help conserve energy, not like droids needed it anyway. Without the Force, she would have suffocated from lack of oxygen two days ago. Yet with its powers, she could easily sit here twice as long and be in no danger. There was nothing to see in the small storage area. Even with enhanced senses provided by the Force, the compartment was pitch black. All of her other senses were in tune with the environment, and all the little disturbances that accompanied it, and she was completely aware of everything that happened around her. She could feel the thrum of the ship beneath the deck plates as it traveled through hyperspace. The engines were slightly overstrained, 
and was either due to needing an overhaul or the lack of care and caution by those in charge of the ship. The ship had distinct oscillations that her ears had quickly learned to ignore. Occasionally, she could hear the rattle as the hard movements of feet hit the plates outside of her hiding place. Her senses regularly picked up the whirl of servomotors as droids moved about the ship, proceeding about their tasks. The droids that passed were oblivious to all that wasn't relevant to their current directives. She had very little worry of being discovered, as she had chosen this out-of-the-way location on the ship deliberately. She had knew the schedules of the ship's inhabitants, and they rarely deviated from their routines. Her eyes closed, as there was no reason to not continue her meditations and preparations for battle. Her query drew closer every moment the smuggler ships traversed the endless expanse of hyperspace, and she was determined not to fail this time. Her skills and abilities in the Force had improved in the months she had spent in isolation, no matter how dismissive he might have been of her potential the last time they had interacted. None of his tricks would allow him to escape her. His arrogance would be his undoing. In Chapter 9 Thank you for listening. This has been a B Squared for Life production. Please visit and review the story using the link provided.